0: Well, it is such a blessing to be together as a family, uh, especially during times of praise, but also especially during uh, difficult times. And over the last few weeks, it's been a difficult time for many, but we, it's been so amazing to see the church family at its finest, not perfection because we're not perfect, but God In his infinite love, working through brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, it's good to be together as a family. Well, um, the Lord knew exactly what he was doing because I can't tell you how many times that God has changed our preaching schedule over the last two months. It's just been an ebb and flow like a river um, winding uh, where it may. Uh, We had plans and God keeps changing those plans, and we did not plan to uh, preach uh, the message last week and this week on these dates. Uh, and so God knew what He was doing in uh, changing our schedules. And so um, and I'm looking forward to the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus, because that's what we are here to do is honor the Lord, to lift up Christ. We need Christ, uh, we need the gospel regardless if you have already put your faith and trust in Christ. Uh, we need the gospel every day of our life and, um, and some of us are realizing that even more and more so that way we can lift Christ up but ultimately lift up uh, our Father in heaven uh, to make His name hallowed, to, to honor His name above all names and lift Him up high and to worship Him. So, ask uh, we do that, and we ask God to bless uh, the reading of His Word as we look in Ecclesiastes. As we are slowly coming to an end of Ecclesiastes, this long thought. If you don't realize, if you ever struggle reading through Ecclesiastes, part of that is because it's meant to be read in one thought. Um, I struggle with reading, and um, and so uh, it's by God's grace through. Uh, dyslexia and through uh, auditory processing delays, uh, and my love for scripture that I'm even, even able to uh, read up here before you this morning. As my second grade teacher said, I would never read in public. What did she know? Uh, <laughs> she didn't know that I, that I would just choose to serve a great God who has other plans with my life. So I love the Lord and the way He works in our lives. Church family is so precious. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this timely message. We thank you for our lives and that we gather here not simply to be numbered, Lord, but we gather here to love you. And Lord, may that be our greatest desire in our heart, that we would love you so we could love each other. Just thank you for the privilege to read these words of life. Lord, so many take for granted church. They see church as a building, as a place just to be religious. But we are never more like church than when we gather together to honor you. And we feel that. Lord, I just humbly ask that you would speak through these short words this morning. Give us your grace, your mercy. Bring healing to those that desperately need it, whether it's healing in our spirit or in our body. Lord, I pray that those that are taking this time for granted would learn about the preciousness of being together. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We are in verses 7 through the end of this chapter. We learned about that we just don't know. We don't understand everything that happens in life, nor are we supposed to. I think the thing that we don't realize is that so many people focus on and think that their greatest goal in life is to understand life. That is not really the goal. And then they fear that the most spiritual that they could be is to understand God. If we just understand God, life would make sense. That is still not the goal. And we were beautifully brought through this passage last week as we looked at just knowing that we just don't know and seeing and just believing that God is at work. I had asked uh, months ago that Rob would preach that um, because I said, well, if you don't preach this, I I lobbed up a softball for him because he wrote a book, if he didn't know, it's in the library, on seeing the invisible. And how that we see God working even when we don't know what's going on. And, and I said, either you preach this or I will just quote your book the whole time. <laughs> so he's like, no, no, these are amazing. I want to preach this. So, so that was the, the plan. And not knowing how God would be directing uh, the life of our church. And it's beautiful to see how God works. So we, that's what we started with last week, and we continue that context in that same theme that it's not for us to always know, but what does God want for us in our life? And so he gets to verse 7, and listen to God's Word. In verse 7, he says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let Him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth in the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also the Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near which you will say, I have no pleasure in them pay attention to these words as we think about how can we have a full and meaningful life? How how are we to enjoy life when we just don't understand why things happen or we don't know things about life? Solomon is beautifully wrapping up and he's bringing main points to a close And bringing everything to a close for us to simply understand how to proceed with all of this wisdom that just seems beyond us. He's taking this long statement on life and bringing it together for us. And he's simply reminding us that life is a gift, we need to enjoy it, enjoy it to the fullest. And and that should bring us to mind that life to the fullest, that Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. God didn't intend for us to come and just live miserable lives while we wait for heaven. He, He knew that our life would need rest. He knew that we would experience pain. He knew that we would experience suffering, but yet he tells us, enjoy our life. Live it to the fullest. He's telling us, don't just grow older. Just going through life is not enough. Just surviving is not enough. Just going through life doesn't mean you mature and become more godly. In fact, I've seen the opposite. That sometimes people are like, well, I'm just, as I get older, I'm just going to become more godly. I'm not going to worry about being godly. Now I'm just going to, just as I grow older, I, you know, I'm just, I'll become more godly. And I've seen the opposite that people that think that if they just get older, they'll become more wise and more godly. But I've kind of seen the opposite that just like in my grandfather's case, as I, I did my grandfather's memorial, his funeral. I had the privilege of going through all of his stuff and his, you know, my aunts and stuff, not knowing what some things were. And I'm like, oh, that's this. And they're like, oh, you know what that is? And they're like, oh yeah, I remember grandpa telling us what this is. And, And they saw this bone looking stuff and they're like, what's that? And I go, oh, those are mastodon teeth. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, those are mastodon teeth. And and he was telling me about how they traded for mastodon bones when they lived in ivory and stuff. When he was on the boat in during World War II, serving up in Alaska, and he was in the Coast Guard and and patrolling up all during World War II. Uh, World World War Two, and he, they would you know trade uh, with many of the indigenous peoples and just in gathering up all this stuff. And now I get so they're like, well, you know what it is, you take it. And it was amazing, you know, as they would sit there and not know who was going to get what, and they would say, I want it, and I you know, and if they didn't, couldn't come to an agreement, I got it. (laughs) So, uh, and so it was, it was fun going through that process, and through, and in that process, I got a lot of paperwork, and I saw my grandfather's stuff, and that he went through Sunday school, and, and he was given a Bible, and he was baptized, and, Brought into the church and then, but I was like, "But that's not the grandfather I knew." That was furthest from the truth. And as he got older, everything became less about God and more about earthly wisdom. It became more about knowledge and knowing things and finding all knowledge. As my grandfather lived a part of his life in a boxcar, and so. Growing up and traveling by boxcar and in the Spokane area and and down through parts of Oregon and as where we're from and and being in that part of the life, his main goal was always having knowledge and always having money and and being somebody was part of his part of his life. And so I watched that in my grandfather and. And it was kind of a hard life for him, and pursuing that, it meant a hard life for some of my aunts, and especially my mom, and, and some of those things, because he went further and further away from the knowledge of the Lord. Even as he, on his deathbed, and say, you know, I've lived a good life, I was good, I was a well-respected man, and I had knowledge, and I had all these things, and that was the most important thing to him. So he had no room for God, even at the end of his life. You know, that's the thing here is As Solomon is going through this and he says, you know, I've experienced all of life. I, he's looking back as that older man that says, I'm going to experience all of life. I'm now a somebody as a ruler of Israel and I have much wisdom and much knowledge, more knowledge than anyone. And he says, I'm looking back and how can I have a full and meaningful life? And he gives us some three things that I want to look at this morning. And you can write down your notes these three things are easy to remember. He wants us to rejoice, and he wants us to remove, and he wants us to remember and that 's basically this the simple aspect of this morning in verses seven through uh, chapter twelve, and that is he wants us to rejoice in the gift of life. God gave us life not only just our just basically he gave us our physical life but then he gave us knowledge of him to live with him to have a new birth to be saved from our sins to have that life as well he gave us two lives but he gave us our life to rejoice to be glad he says in verse 7 that life is sweet and it is pleasant for eyes to see the sun sounds a little bit like Raul doesn't it (laughs) because <laughs> look if you go down I have to laugh otherwise I'll probably start crying again so, so I'm going to pick on Raul <laughs> and he goes on and he says before the dark days come right It's just. it sounds just like Raul he goes go out and enjoy the sun because he knows the darkness is coming right yeah light is sweet and it is pleasant to the eyes to see the sun unless you look directly into it right don't do that But yeah, oh, it's so bright and it's so cheery. And basically in these three verses and the fact that he's talking about light and darkness, it's a Hebrewism. It's the Hebrew form of when they say light and darkness, they're referring to metaphorically to life and death, life and hardship, life and extreme suffering. As he talks about it, if you look at verses 1 through 8 in chapter 12, you'll notice he explains all these metaphors about growing old. You know, growing old is for the birds. And and if you are weak, don't grow old. (laughs) Growing old is for the strong. I've learned that uh, at a younger age than I desired, to be stronger than my body really is. But to rejoice. He says here, In verse 8, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, in all the years. Rejoice means simply to be glad, to take delight in the years that God gives you. Do you sit and ponder the life that God has given you? Or do you ponder all the things that are happening to you? It's very easy to get in that rut. Do you get in this rut of, I want to know everything about life? I want to make sense of what's been going on the last, you know, five years. Do I, you know, and as, you know, the reality is, is as we live our life, it's hard to make sense of it. But God simply says this, rejoice in this gift of life. Be glad. It's it's a beautiful thing. Psalm 118, verse 24, he reminds us of this daily thing that we should do. This daily attitude that God wants us to have. He says, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Right? It's a song that we've, we've sung before. right? It's a great reminder that this is the day that God has given. Let us rejoice. Let us be glad. What a joy it is to anticipate each new day and to accept it. That is an amazing gift that God has given. That's what Solomon is reminding us as we think about all of the things that we've covered in Ecclesiastes, that all of life is vanity. It's like chasing after the wind, playing tag with the wind. You just can't tag the wind. It tags you, though, (laughs) right? Have you ever been out in the wind and tried to set anything up? It doesn't work. Uh, You don't wait (laughs) and try to set something up in the wind. Uh, but you just, it's vanity. It doesn't work. It's going to blow you away or blow the things away in life. Trust God. Love on the Lord. Rejoice in the, each moment that He has given you. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I moved to Alaska. As We were there in the summertime and, or the, the end of summer and, and darkness set in. And I'm like, I remembered it. It was just the oddest thing, waking up to pitch black dark and going to school, walking to school in the dark. Um, you know, those were back in the days. I remember, you know, I think the first day of school, my mom dropped me off at school and then I didn't go home from school. I walked home with a brand new friend I made. I was very outgoing from the very first day I stepped for it on this earth. And I, I true story, I didn't go home. I went home with a friend. My mom panicked, didn't know where I was. It's amazing that I survived, and it's amazing that my mom's still alive. She didn't have a heart attack, all the things I put her through. But we walked to school in first grade in the dark, and guess what? At lunchtime, we had recess, and it was a little bit light. It was like twilight. And we then would walk home in pitch black dark. You know, we were head to toe, everything was reflectors, right? So you could be seen, even though there was no light. Um, It was funny. It was like we were more worried about the reflectors on our clothes than we were about staying warm. It was more important to be seen than to be warm. You know, it's amazing as we think about this statement, light is sweet and it is pleasant. I just, I remember all those months, and there's some parts of Alaska at the top where they would go through four months of complete darkness, and when the light came, there was this grand celebration. It's like, woo the light! And it was like, now we only have so much time to get ready for the darkness. And then everything, it was crazy. Every, I learned from living in Alaska, it was like, once the light came, it was like, and breakup happened, and the, 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 the rivers of ice flowed, and, and the mud came, And then all that went away and the light came. You only had so much time. It was our time of rejoicing and we prepared for the darkness to come again. And I think of that as as we look at Ecclesiastes and Psalm is saying, stop and rejoice in the light that God has given you. Because darkness will come. The end of life happens But our life just begins with Christ, through Christ, with God. And he's saying, rejoice. Enjoy every moment, each and every moment. It's a gift that we should enjoy. Wake up and appreciate it, Solomon is saying. You know, just like we did when we saw the light after the long, long winter months. That was the hardest thing, by the way, is telling my mom, it's not time to go to bed, right? Midnight, I'm arguing with my mom, just like my kids even argue now. It's not time to go to sleep, it's still light outside, right? Had <laughs> my mom learn to invest in blackout, you know, uh, things so that way I could, you know, go to sleep. But the hardest thing was hearing my friends at one o'clock in the morning playing outside. <laughs> uh, but, uh, But I wasn't... You know, I was wide awake the next day. They were not. <laughs> Here's the other thing, is enjoy God in each stage of life because we don't get a second chance. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, you can, you know, it's not like I'm saying that you don't get a second chance to buy something. Maybe you say, well, yeah, enjoy life, and you maybe, maybe make a bad investment, and you don't, but yet you learn from it, and then you make us, you know, Later on in life, you make better investments, and you get to enjoy those investments. And you say, well, you don't, what do you mean by not getting a second chance? Is that each day, God has blessed you with the light of that day to live and enjoy that day. And the things that God has given you for that day, He doesn't necessarily give you for the next day. And he's basically, in verse 8, he says, remember that the days of darkness will be many All that is coming is just vanity. Rejoice, O young man, while or in the days of your youth. In the days of your youth, that preposition is mean while during the days of your youth. Enjoy each stage of the, the life that God has given you. In a sense, what Solomon is saying in the complete context here is if you're going to be joyful later in life, if you want to have joy later in your life, then you need to start rejoicing in life now. If you want to have joy in the Lord later in your life, if you want to be strong in the Lord later in life, you need to start rejoicing in the Lord now. If you're going to be godly later in life, you need to be godly now. You can't be like, well, I'll just care of that later. I'm just going to live my life now for me, and then when I get older, I'll 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 give myself to the Lord. Then it doesn't happen that way. I've seen you know countless people. We say, "Man, I just so appreciate it. that you know it's, that person, the 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 Pastor Ralphs in her life. He didn't get there by chance." As you, many of you know, that I had a, a my own Ralph. Early on in my pastorate, uh, and his name was Ralph, and he was the same age in which I, I came here four years ago that Pastor Ralph was when I first met my first Ralph, who greatly encouraged me and loved me as a young pastor. And I, when uh, he passed away later on in his late 90s, uh, I prayed and I said, God, I don't know what I can do. I don't think I could be a pastor without a Ralph. I needed another Ralph. Give me another Ralph. When God brought me here, I met Pastor Ralph, and I said, Lord, that can't be. <laughs> and he's the same age! <laughs> so, there's, I was like, so I told God, I said, after I met Pastor Ralph, I said, he can't go away anytime soon. <laughs> so I've been selfish. But they didn't get to be godly in their old age because by chance. It's because they turned their heart to God early. And said, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice in what God has given me. Enjoy every stage of life that God is giving you. They say you don't really know what you've got until it's gone, right? Except if you're raising pigs, because once they're gone, we have bacon. (laughs) The problem is, is when the freezer gets empty of bacon, then we like, oh man, we start rejoicing in what we realize we don't have. The day the bacon runs out is the day I start looking to butcher again. <laughs> My wife's always asking, how much longer? <laughs> so while you and I breathe, Solomon is telling us, while you and I have the opportunity for this sweet life and you feel the sun on your face, let's Pursue the life that God gave us because it's going to be difficult. He's literally saying because of the difficulty it's coming, because death is around the corner, don't just say, oh, it's further down the road than we think. We don't know the life that God has given us and when things are going to happen. We can't say, oh, I'm going to be fine for the next 20, 30, 40 years. We need to say that I'm gonna rejoice in the life that God has given me now. I'm reminded of what Isaiah was telling Israel on behalf of God. And Israel put their faith in a lot of different things and they struggled in putting their faith in the Lord. They put a lot of faith in themselves and religion. Isaiah, God said, Tell them this. And in verse 40, or in chapter 40, verse 8, he says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The will of God, God's word. In fact, in 1 Peter, we hear that Peter quotes this, but he says God's word endures forever. And in Isaiah, he says God's will, what God promises, what God says, what God knows, what his plan is, always endures. Rejoice in the Lord even through darkness. That's why rejoicing and being glad in the Lord is so important because it doesn't matter what is coming, rejoicing in the gift of life is so important. First John 2.17 says, And the world is passing away along with all its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever, even through darkness. He's saying this, Chase life, not just any life, the life that God gave you. Don't just chase the life you desire. Don't make life about your desires. Make it about God's desires because God's desires last through all things. Chase life, chase God, chase Jesus, chase it to the fullest end. Sounds just like Philippians chapter 3 when Paul says, My greatest, I agonize to pursue Christ. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills desires of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and He saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked will be destroyed. Enjoy life, but be careful that you enjoy it in a way that pleases the Lord. As you enjoy life, did you notice in verse 9 he says, Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes? Like, many of us stop there and we say, that's the chief end of man. Let's pursue whatever my heart desires, whatever my eye sees. I'm going to go after it. If it makes me feel good, it's it's mine to have until somebody takes it away. And then we're upset. And we don't have peace in life. Because many times the things that we desire in life get taken away in life. I love this because he doesn't stop there, but do you notice the very next words? He says, but, but no, for all these things, God will bring judgment into your life. What is he simply saying? And then he's this, God says, rejoice in your life, enjoy the life that he's given you. But remember this, be careful to enjoy it in a way that pleases God. It's not enjoying it to please you, it's enjoying it to please God. The Lord, because you're going to give an account for it one day. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and then after that comes judgment, we're going to be called to judge the life that we lived with what God has given us. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 4. Verses 1 through 5. It's a beautiful, telling thing. As Paul talks to the Corinthian church, If many of you don't know, but the Corinthian church was judging Paul and saying, Paul, you don't look very good. Right? Greeks, by the way, were all about the human figure. Just go look at all the statues. You figure that out, right? He's all about the human figure. Worshipping the human figure. And they're like, Paul, you're very unassuming. You're not much to look at. And the rest of us are like, phew. Uh, yeah, good. I don't have to live up to the Greek standard. I can live up to Paul's standard. But here, yeah, I don't look very good. And then they said, and you don't sound very good. You don't give very eloquent speeches, right? And the rest of us say, phew, you mean I don't have to sound good either? To, <laughs> right. It's about the Lord. Listen to what Paul says to the church and what God is saying to us even now. He said, this is how you should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We're a steward of God's mystery, the gospel, our lives, being united together with Him. Verse 2, moreover, it is required that a steward, that they be found faithful. We are God's stewards of the life that He's given us. Verse 3, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself. But I am not thereby acquitted, just because I don't know that I of something that I should be judged by doesn't mean that he says I'm perfect or I should be acquitted of everything in life. But listen, to verse four it says, "For I am not aware," or uh, the end of verse four says. It is the Lord who judges me. It's the Lord who knows all things, even the things I don't know that I should be judged about. Verse 5, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. You know, sometimes we get too quick, and we say, you know, I'm a really good person. I'm so good, look at me, right? Pride comes before a fall. How many times he said, Look what I can do, only to fall and make a huge mistake, right? I can't tell you how many times that I've got excited about something that I learned that I could do only to fail at it, right? But he says, don't judge, pronounce judgment before the time. God knows all things. He says, before, don't do this before the Lord comes. Because, or because of, it says, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purpose of the heart. He knows every single one of our hearts. He knows the purpose of why we do things. He knows that sometimes we do good things not to love the Lord or to love other people, but because we want to be loved. Right? Right? Sometimes we simply do things for our own benefit. He will disclose the purpose of the heart, then each one will receive his condemnation from the Lord. Eventually, God will judge us and he will, he will expose the things that we have kept hidden. And he will either give us things that we will then turn back and glorify him. He will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, why didn't you honor me? And that's the general idea here, is is that, hey, lest you forget, Solomon says, live your life in rejoicing in what God has given you. Enjoy it, but don't forget that enjoy it in a way that pleases and glorifies the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, he says, yes, we are of good courage and we'd rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. I think Paul is realizing in his infirmities, it's much easier just to be with the Lord than to keep living with our infirmities. But in verse nine, he says, "So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil." Do you realize God richly? First Timothy six seventeen says. God richly gives us all things to enjoy. But it is always wrong to enjoy things simply for the pleasures, for selfish pleasures or for sinful pleasures. The idea here is, is that we're not supposed to put pleasure in the place of God. Let me state it this way. We are supposed to use the life that God gave us to rejoice so we can please God or glorify God. We make it our aim to please Him. God's will that endures forever equals our pleasure. That's the idea. As we... Seek to please Him as we look to the Lord, as we love the Lord, as we rejoice in the Lord, and we make glad the things of the Lord that God has given us. As we do that, God's will equals our pleasure. When we seek that will, when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, He provides richly our blessings in our life. He provides us all good things. All good things doesn't mean riches in this world. It means peace and joy, contentment. But seeking pleasure does not equal God's will. Do you understand? Simply inverting our desires and what we rejoice in oftentimes leads to heartache. Rejoice. In God's gift. That's what we're supposed to do, not for our own pleasure, but for God's glory. And he provides richly everything that we need when we need it. The second thing we see is in verse 10. And he says simply this, remove vexation from your heart. And that's the idea here, is is that rejoice in this life. But also, remove any annoyances from your life. You're like, I'm trying, but COVID won't go away. That was my solely COVID joke for today. (laughs) But remove vexation. Remove annoyances from your life. Right? Vexation in the ESV and and a couple of the other translations. But remove annoyances. And it's not talking, you know, wives, don't elbow your husband's. And heaven forbid, husbands, you elbow your wife. You know, that's called justifiable homicide, right? (laughs) So so here's the thing. What what in the world is he saying? He said, if we're going to enjoy life, remove these vexations, these annoyances. Vexation literally means grief that turns to anger because of circumstances. What is he talking about? Remove those things that go down into your heart that cause you great worry and concern and grief to the point of actually hurting you physically. That's what the Hebrew word is talking about. Vexed souls lead to physical problems. The more you worry, they've done clinical studies, the more you worry, the more physically sick you can become. Right? Right? The more anxiety, the more unhealthy you can become. Remove these vexations from your life. Second Timothy, Paul was talking. Remember, Timothy always had upset stomachs, and he was saying, take a little wine for that. Paul said to Timothy, you know, I said, hey, and you might be wondering why. Well, if you've ever seen the way that they worshiped small g, small gods in Ephesus and in that part of the world, they had drinking stations leading up to, the, up to the great temples, so that people would be completely drunk. So then that way they would give more money and do more crazy, stupid things. And so he said, "Hey!" and so most of the people in Ephesus, when they became believers, stayed away from it because they didn't want to identify, we don't worship God the way that you worship. And so, but Paul said, hey, hey, hey. Take a little. It's good for your stomach. Timothy was stressed. He was struggling. He was ready to leave the pastorate. In 2 Timothy, Paul, in verse 20 of chapter 2, he says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, but some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable... He will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful yourself, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee those youthful passions, pursue righteousness. Righteousness is a big word for right living. Faith, not just any faith, but faith in the Lord, love, the love of the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and peace that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ because we're no longer children of wrath. who are enemies with God, but we are children of God that have been given peace along with those who, are call, who call on the Lord from a pure heart, from a true heart. He says, I need you, Lord. Remove the vexations from life. He basically saw him and says, you know all those things I talked about? the wealth, the money, the physical pleasure, all of the wisdom and knowledge of the earth, all those main things that he talked about in the beginning in Ecclesiastes he says stop, those things are just vexations on the soul. If you live to work, if that's your sole purpose is to work and get money, you're going to be vexed. If your soul if 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 all your Life is built upon just being a good worker. You're going to be vexed. He says, remove that. I love Psalm 34. We're going to hear from that. The whole part of that, uh, the chapter Psalm 34 soon. And in verse 12 it says, What man is there who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? All of us want to see good, right? If we want to live a full life and see good, he says, verse 13 keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. Remove the vexations of this life as the sole purpose of your life. Seek the Lord. Let him become The glory of your life. God's will equals good desires. I love hearing. That's awesome. That's life right there. (laughs) We need to pray for those moms and dads that are getting less and less sleep. (laughs) And it's just simply this. Why do we, we remove those annoyances from our life? So we can remember God in all of our life. You know, if we seek all these things that really vex us in our life, we will not remember God. We will not see God. We will not pursue God. We will struggle. Our faith in God will decline. We will do like so many people today that are just simply walking away from the Lord. I don't know if you've seen it lately or followed it, but, you know, Liberty University is the largest university. Grand Canyon has, I think, overtaken them, but uh, Christian University, but Liberty University, always known to being godly university, and Jerry Falwell, on his deathbed, wanted to make his mark on, he wanted to just keep building Christians in this world. He wanted God's kingdom to be defined, you know, he wanted his whole life to be defined by reaching people for Christ. So he built this great university on his deathbed, he would not give the church to one of his sons that was actually named after him, but gave the church to another son. And then he gave the university to the son that he refused to give the church to, because that son, the junior, didn't really pursue the things of God Wholeheartedly in his life. And he was he was afraid that if he gave Junior the church, that the church would be destroyed. So he gave him the university. A few years ago that he almost destroyed the university. Just in an article that came out this week, Jerry Falwell Jr. says, I'm gonna walk away from the church. I don't agree that the in the church anymore. My faith is gone. In a crazy, stunning event, this one man that built the one of the greatest, the biggest Christian universities that we know of today, and is now seeing one of his sons just walk away from the Lord. It's far too common because of all the vexing things that can overtake our life and become the dominant force for our life, and we stop remembering God in all of our life. Do you look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 12? Remember also your Creator. You know what that emphasized, what Solomon is saying? Remember... And he's emphasizing God's sovereignty, his right over this world, this right over our life. He's emphasizing the sovereignty, the fact that God is all-knowing, that he knows what we don't know. In relation to the limits of our human wisdom, there is no human wisdom that can compare to the Creator. It also reminds us that we are not our own. But we belong to God as the Creator. As the property does not tell the Creator what to do, but the Creator tells the property how they ought to live their life. Can you imagine our vehicles telling us how they want to run? And they just run based on how we drive them, right? Some vehicles last longer than others, (laughs) But, and where we drive them, how we drive them and where we drive them, <laughs> right? But God, we, we don't tell, we're not supposed to tell God how we live our life. We're supposed to remember God in all of our life. Psalm 100 in verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture Serve the Lord. Remember him in the days of your youth. Young people, rejoice now in your youth. Rejoice and be glad in what God has given you now. Don't wait. Remember what God has done for you, your salvation, the gospel. Rejoice in that now. Don't wait. Because one day is coming when darkness will befall you. What will you do then when your life is filled with struggles and is in shambles? Who will you remember then? Because here's the deal. is Your decision in your youth affects your whole life. Don't believe Satan and the fact that, oh, it doesn't matter what I do now because I have my whole life ahead of me. Wrong. Solomon is at the end of his life, the wisest man known to earth, and he ends all of this and he's saying, I've experienced everything that life has to offer, and I'm telling you, remember the God of your youth. I find wisdom that Solomon is giving us here really amazing and striking. Because he is an old man at the end of his life. The best remedy for any pain or vexation or annoyance is to cast our care upon God who made us, who knows everything about us. He has already gone out ahead of you. He knows your path. Everything that that this preacher is saying, not me, but Solomon is saying, in this passage assumes and requires the close presence of God in your life. To remember God is to live our whole lives for Him. It is to be mindful of God in every circumstance, to remember Him when you stub your toe at night, or when you wake up in the middle of the night to someone crying out for help because of their circumstances. Include Him in all your plans. Praise Him in all of your blessings. Pray to Him through all of your troubles. Remember your God. Remember God now because old age is coming. As I stumble off the platform this morning, (laughs) I back went out on Tuesday and I could barely walk again. It's just... It's just my lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's my life. <laughs> right? if she, I just need a wheelchair ramp soon. Oh, it'll be fine. The idea here is, is if we want to really enjoy life, we need to rejoice every day in the day that God has given us. Remove these vexations that we think are everything to us. They're just annoyances. They're like mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. And we need to remember God in every aspect of our life. I'm going to leave you with just a few verses here. No comments, just listen to these words of God. Psalm 84, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Remember God. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. He's basically telling us, yeah, I said I wouldn't comment, but sorry. He's telling us to rejoice, to fill it with joy, rejoicing in Him. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in Full hope. Romans twelve, twelve. Remember God now. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Remember God now. Philippians four, four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Remember God. Now, live life, be committed, be courageous, live it while you can because soon it'll be gone. You won't be able to help anyone then. Live life for the Lord with all your might, loving Him to the fullest and enjoy the pleasure that He brings that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? Verse 5, chapter 11, you do not know the way the Spirit comes. You don't know what you just do not know. As Rob so aptly put to us, because of God's Word, we just don't know what we don't know. So live Life to please God that he because of his wisdom might bless you in your life. Lord, thank you for the blessing of your word. Help us to remember these three simple things to rejoice, remove and to remember. I pray that we would take that with us and Lord that we remember it fits the gospel. We cannot rejoice in our life because we are not perfect. We are not God. Although we want, Lord, so desperately many times, we want to be God of our life. We try to be God of our life. We try to make every sense of life according to our own desires. But we are not God. We are not perfect. And we run many times to vexation, to annoyances in our life. Lord, help us not to rejoice in ourselves, but to rejoice in the life that you have given us through the Lord Jesus Christ. His perfect life, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Because you say to us that the wages of sin, what we earn because of our imperfection of life, is death. But, just like the but that we see here in the text, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, is because of the life you lived, Jesus, not only that you lived for us, but also died for us, that sacrifice paid for our sins and it conquered death and now you're seated in that place of prominence that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, even though maybe some will not now, today. May we remember that you are God. Only you can remove those things that are that we struggle with. That we are hurting in our bodies, in our soul. You can remove them by the power of the cross. Through the Lord Jesus Christ who has given us life and life eternal. You have told us you are the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. What you did for us. You are the light of the world. You dispel darkness. That's why we rejoice in you. That's why we re- you work in us to remove those things that hurt us the most. So we can remember you and be with you for eternity. I pray that if there's someone here that is struggling with their life. That they would... Simply do this and trust you. As a believer, or maybe they've never put their faith and trust in you, they're still trusting in themselves that they would just simply bow their heart to you, acknowledge their sin and realize that they can, they're not perfect. They'll never be perfect. Therefore, earning death, that they need you as their Savior and that you would save them today. I pray that you would do that work in their heart. Call them to yourself Lord, that you would save them today and they would respond to your call of salvation. That they would lay down their life before you and be saved. Pray that they would do that in their heart. That they would call to you. And Lord, that they would respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.